passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your G1 Climax Review. I am John Pollock, and joining me live and free tonight here on the Post YouTube channel is Karen Peterson to chat all about the G1 happenings from this weekend. Karen, how are you? I'm I'm a little tired, a little bit of G1 burnout, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> yes, we were we were just discussing uh, the 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 amount of volume of uh, professional wrestling that is out there, a, a heavy amount of it concentrated uh, with, with New Japan. Uh, but I, I'm kind of curious, what uh, among all of the tournaments that are going on right now, what are you uh, somewhat keeping up, up to date with? Are you are you behind on, on Stardom, or is stuff just like falling by the wayside? Uh, I'm behind on stardom just because they have everything on tape delay. And after, you know, after we recorded the about two weekends ago, I realized that I, I hit a wall and I, I have massive burnout. So I'm just kind of like watching wrestling when I can, but not killing myself to watch all the things. And I have seen the results of the Tokyo princess cup, but I haven't watched the shows yet. That's on my docket for this coming week. Well, there you have it. We, we sound like the performers right now that are just at the end of the G1 here, like, <laughs> w- watching all of this stuff. But uh, yeah, we uh, I wanted to try uh, doing a, a free G1 show because uh, coming up this week, we're going to be doing back to back to back G1 shows Tuesday, Goodness. Wednesday, Thursday. So those will be exclusive for Post Wrestling Cafe members. Tuesday, I'm going to be joined by Mike Murray. And then Wednesday and Thursday, Bruce Lord will be in the hot seat with me. And uh, I haven't run this by Bruce yet, but Thursday, we are all- <laughs> Bruce is hearing about this for the first time. We are going to do the uh, the end of tournament post wrestling G one awards. Okay, so you oh. want to tune into that on Thursday. We will go through best performer, best match. Maybe we'll also talk about worst performer and worst match because we're going to balance things out uh, as well. So uh, lots of great stuff coming up this week. Uh, also of note, Monday, uh, I'm going to be dropping an interview at 11 a.m. here on the YouTube chat with uh, Brian Gwartz, the former head writer of WWE. He is going to be on with us. And then Monday night, the great Nate Milton joining me for Rewind to Raw. So it's going to be a very, very busy uh, week, as is as is. The usual here at Post Wrestling. The whole schedule uh, will be up late tonight at postwrestling.com. But we have two nights to go through of the G1 from this past weekend. And uh, this sets up the the final round robin matches for Tuesday. And I think I've mapped out all of the different scenarios. So <laughs> I will... I will cross-reference them with Karen and make sure I didn't make any, any errors along the way. And Karen can uh, keep me on the, on the right path here of all of the, all of this math, the D block folks, we will, we will get into the D block. Okay. It's, uh, it's going to be a complicated one, but uh, we go back to Saturday in a Mashita. Am I pronouncing that right? Mashita? Machida. Machida. Okay. 
because uh, Leota Machida really just throws me off when, when I when I see the, <laughs> the, this particular spelling. But they had uh, o- over 2,200 people at this show, 2,212. And this featured a rare three-man booth of Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, and David Finley as well. And uh, we will also talk about the uh, the contributions of one Jonah on Sunday's card on commentary. Maybe, maybe that's going to be an award. We will give best guest commentator at, at the end of this G1. Some interesting candidates there. Uh, but we're going to uh, we'll, we'll start off here with the undercard matches uh, that went down on Saturday. Juice Robinson, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens and El Phantasmo beat Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tamatanga, David Finley and Jado uh, with the C-Trigger executed by Chase Owens on, you guessed it, Jado taking the fall. Jonah and Bad Dude Tito over Tom Lawler and Royce Isaacs. We'll be talking about Tom Lawler later. Tatsuya Naito, Sonata and Bushi over Lance Archer, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taka Michinoku and Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto and Tomohiro Ishii over Evil, Show and Dick Togo to uh, whet everyone's appetite for the, the main course that was the five tournament matches and you lucked in karen because you got to do sunday which was a a novel four tournament matches as we went yes. to the the earlier format so always uh you know nice when you can log into new japan world and you realize oh it's a it's a four match day instead of five yeah <laughs> definitely uh we'll, we'll also throw it out that uh because we are doing live uh if you have any super chats uh just overall thoughts on the g1 uh matches that uh have really stood out to you in this tournament, whatever your feedback is for the G1. If there are super chats, uh, you can send them in. I will be monitoring those. And if we have some time, we will get to those at the end of our reviews. But uh, let's talk about the tournament matches from Saturday. Starting things off, Aaron Hanare taking on Kenta, uh, both coming in with two points, although uh, Hanare has a match in hand. So this would be the end of Hanare's tournament and Kenta getting ready for his uh, his weekend of spoils as he was uh, going to be uh, knocking off someone of, of prominence. And Chris Charlton noting that he has read Kenta's entire book already. And it, it seemed uh, he gave, I would say, a good recommendation, but not one of the not an overwhelming one. He said, it's good. It's good. I think uh, I, I enjoyed it. So I, I don't know if that was Chris being polite or if it's uh, really worth going out of your way to to check out. I would think the Kenta story we talked about would be a very compelling one if, if he's open and honest. I'm very salty that I have not been able to locate a copy of this book because well, you, you are you are the gateway for us to figure out what's what what is contained in this book. Well, the thing is, is that it entire it that book highlights his whole 22 year career so far, from like being like a young handsome wrestler to becoming like the charisma of Noah, him going to the United States for WWE, and then coming back afterwards. And I guess they underestimated how many people wanted to buy this book, so it went on sale like at the venues sold out went on sale at like Amazon and, and uh, Rakuten and all like several other online vendors sold out. So they're working on, I guess they're working on another printing, but it's like, I've wanted to order that book. And it's like, if I go to Amazon Japan, it's like, you can get this book in two to 17 weeks, two to 17 weeks, which is it? That's a range. <laughs> My goodness. Two to two to 17 weeks. So That's uh best selling author on, on uh, Amazon Japan, Kenta. <laughs> That's covering their bases for you. Well, the the match here, Kenta is striving for a 500 record, so he's got some work to do. And it, it, the commentators are explaining that, you know, that's kind of Kenta's motivation, get to 500. He wants to be invited back. Hanare, they they think he's done enough. He's going to get invited back. And I'm looking at the records. I'm like, we're just strictly basing it on here. It's like, okay, the guy won a match, and he's lost everything since. I mean, from a from a sports perspective here i mean would this guy be getting the guaranteed invite back i mean he's uh he, he's one and four here 
Well, I mean, if you're going to compare him to, say, your favorite in the tournament, Yujiro. <laughs> Dude, that, be- that guy's got a season's pass for life <laughs> in the G1. I mean, I, I, I Yujiro will outlive me in these G1s. <laughs> I think for a first G1, at least he got a win. Because had he gone in as a young lion, he would have had the same problem that every young lion that's ever in a G1 is, is that you're there just to eat the pin for every single match. Um, he waited six years to finally get here. I think they're putting a lot of energy and effort into pulling the trigger on United Empire and like, building a lot of the people in that group strong. This year might be his first year, but I think he only has... I think he can't slip any further, but I definitely think he's on the climb. Yeah, I mean, he did get a very prominent win at the beginning, and and I'm sure that will be followed up on uh, coming out of this. Like, it was, like, he was sort of, like, this entry level into the G1. He got a signature win, and that's his his little prize coming out of the G1. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's a long-term story, I think, with, with Aaron Hanare down the road. Um, so we, we got to see a lot of uh, Hanare's kicks, um, which, which have been really a highlight um, throughout a lot of these matches, integrating his kickboxing background. Kent is using the hammerlock and rams Hanare's shoulder into into the rail, and then he's working on the Achilles of Hanare, uh, citing uh, his past injury. And Hanare comes back, more kicks. He's he's on top of this. This man has his game plan ready going after the Achilles. And Finley starts talking about his own shoulder and the injury he had several years ago that took him out for months, stating that he will never be 100%, at least his shoulder will not be, due to the loss of power and range of motion from this uh, shoulder injury. So I, I thought this like added uh, context as well from him explaining his own uh, shoulder woes in this. Uh, Hanare loses Kenta on the Berserker bomb, uh, bomb and uh, Chris says he tried to sandbag him here. And Kenta stops Ultima, grabbing the referee, and we get Kenta's just giant slaps and a kick drops Kenta more strikes he stops the streets of rage and then there's the game over to a triangle Hanare power bombs his way out and then the closing sequence sees Kenta stop rampage applying game over and it was game over for Hanare who taps out at 12 minutes and 36 seconds finishing his tournament at one and five well if I remember correctly even when Kenta came into the G1 a couple of years ago back in 2019 he didn't necessarily have a stellar G1 that first year either and with all the new people that they brought in this year, it was one of those things where, on top of all the new people, they protected a lot of people that really didn't need protecting in this G1. Yeah, that, that sometimes is my criticism of the G1. They try to do too much and pr- protect everyone. And in that, I think a lot of them c- kind of get lost in the yeah. shuffle when everyone's being given something or, you, you know, you don't have those like three, four standouts. I was hoping it would, like, where Hanari is concerned, and I think some other people are concerned, I think you know, Tom Lawler would be another example, is that I wish it was a little more balanced across the board, where everyone was fighting for, like, everyone's, like, three and two and two or three, but there were people that were, like, racking up five, and it's like, well, what are you going to do from here? <laughs> so it's, I, I'm just glad that Hanari finally got the chance to be in a G1, because he had been overlooked and overlooked and overlooked for multiple years, so it, I know it's not the ideal turnout or outcome for him, but at least he has the opportunity now. Do you feel, um, as we look like down down the road, do you feel this win over Tanahashi will be significant? Will this be, but like, will they get the value out of what a win over Tanahashi means in 2022? If they were, I mean, if you think about the people who have pinned Tanahashi and had that that elusive Tanahashi high profile win in the last couple of years, Osprey's gotten it. Yes, and he got the push. I mean, Chase got it. 
also in the company. Chase, I would say like, I, I, I would imagine that's an outcome. I don't know how many people remember from, from last year. I wouldn't yeah. say that was so, one that really you got that kind of significance out of. But that's the thing is that there are, there are people that in previous years have gotten that elusive Tanahashi rub, especially as somebody who's like either a, a debutante in the G1 or typically someone who hovers near the lower half of the mid card. Yeah. So for Hanari, it, even if that like, I mean, there are plenty of other great candidates in, in the C block for him to have pinned to get his one win. But I mean, Tanahashi would be the guy that if you were only going to walk out of the G- this G1 with one win, why not? Why not like, the biggest name that's in the block. Yes. So that concludes Hanare's uh, tournament. And we'll talk about uh, Kenta's last round robin match that coming up on uh, today's earlier show where he headlined against Mr. Tanahashi. Tori Yano against Jeff Cobb. So Yano is finishing up his tournament with a record of one and four. Cobb comes out. Uh, he's at two and two in the A block. And Chris notes it's opposite day as Cobb is out with his, his Hawaiian shirt and deodorant. Um, a bit of a callback there. And, uh, <laughs> it's a delay for Yano's entrance as a uh, Jeff Cobb is, uh, is missing. And, or, sorry, it's Yano that's missing. And Yano comes out through the crowd and sneaks out from behind and does a roll up and then sprays disinfectant into Cobb's eyes for another two. So this was going to be funny Jeff, as they announced here. He, uh, Cobb's arms end up getting put into his singlet and then he's wrapped up like the burrito in the rings, the, the ring skirt. And he's down on the ground. He has to hop his way up to the ring while his arms are trapped in the singlet and does make his way back into the ring where he's got to fight back with his arms still trapped in, in the singlet as they compared him to a dolphin here as he hit a drop kick <laughs> without the use of his arms, which is an Im- impressive feat for a man this size to get up off his, his, uh, uh, get a vertical like this without his arms free. See, I go back to what Kevin Kelly said about Jeff Cobb earlier in the tournament where he's like, it's not fair. It's not fair the things that that Jeff Cobb can do. And I know a lot of people are going to poo-poo on this match. And maybe, again, maybe it's the G1 burnout. But the fact that he leapt in, on, in, back into the ring with his arms in his singlet and then continue, he did an Orange Cassidy where he just wrestled the next like th- three minutes completely with his arms. Like He committed to the gimmick. And I, I can't be mad at it because, you know, I trip over my own feet walking up the stairs and this man's doing like uh, jumping kicks and everything else, drop kicks with his arms just like, and yeah, he did look a little dark when I was making sound effects as he was like just like springing everywhere. This is this is the real subject matter of don't try this at home. It's like mo- yes. most kids at home they're not they're not McFoleying off their roof or something. But this this is something they're bored <laughs> at home. They might try and they're going to separate their shoulder landing on the floor after trying this. So Yano is uh, sent into the exposed uh, buckle and takes his big overhead belly to belly. The arms are now free from Cobb and he catches Yano's low blow and puts the shirt of Yano over top his head. And after a, uh, eating a super kick, takes the tour of the islands and delivers in four minutes and 38 seconds and he goes up to kevin kelly says he smells great and we got to see funny jeff so funny jeff moved to uh three and two and uh finishes with six points and this actually was a match of importance because it's it was like the slimmest of margins but he was technically alive in this block so this was must win for him um and we will update that later so um we should actually go back because we missed our our rating for the the first match and we can't we can't go without a a rating so first uh your rating for hanare and kenta and then yano and cobb i i think i'm at the point right now where i'm just like again i just want i'm just glad i'm still watching the g1 because i'm just so tired so i just gave it a large with one sugar just because i I feel like 
they, you know, they're doing their best with what they've been given. They know that they're not the ones that are going to be going to the semifinals or whatever, but they made it entertaining. And I'm still surprised at how much weight and bulk Hanari's put on in the last like six months, if not less than that. Yeah, I, I went. I went with a cool. Uh, um, I, I went with a medium milk sugar. Um, hold the sleeve is uh, that was my ranking for Kenta and Hanare. Yano and Cobb. I'm going with the Beebs Brew up here in in uh, Canada. Uh, what the, what is a Beebs Brew for the us? The Beebs uh, Brew is a a French vanilla cold brew uh, okay. that Tim Hortons is uh, working alongside Justin Bieber with. Very popular up here, and I can say that through Braden Harrington, I have found myself uh, getting into this. Uh, the odd order. So it's something different. It's kind of, um, it's a bit of a novelty, but, um, it, it was all right. What, for, what size are we ordering this evening, John? Oh, this is a, this was a small, let's not go crazy <laughs> here. Okay. This was like, it was like a specialty drink, but not a, a great one. It, timing wise, uh, four and a half minutes. I, I was happy with this. Yano, I have not, I am not a negative Yano person for those that have heard our G1s over the years. He hasn't like wowed me this, this G1. I think it's been difficult with like the, the crowd that cannot cheer a lot of the comedy spots. And I feel like he has kind of relied on the greatest hits. This one felt like a, uh, a concerted effort to be a different type of match and it seemed the audience enjoyed it seeing Cobb in in this role so it isn't going to be for everybody but it was fun and I mean it was less than five minutes of your time it's really hard to be too negative on it so there we I, have it and I, and I, that's I, and that's Yano's tournament so he's done and Cobb would have uh, Tom Lawler that we'll uh, talk about from today's show so um just uh impressions of uh, Jeff Cobb this this year so far it's really hard to go back from last year where he was like seven and one yeah. To this, where he's, I, I I knew as soon as they announced the blocks this year with having Osprey and Jay back that the the push that that Jeff sustained while they were gone was now over and it was very frustrating to watch. I mean, I'm again, like I said before, I'm just glad he's le- he's leaned into it. He know he's doing the best he can with what he has, but I gave I gave them a a, a medium with with two sugars just because I'm sweet on Jeff and Yano. So all right, two two of like the cubes, <laughs> the cube sugars. Yes. Okay. Shingo Takagi against Yujiro Takahashi. Your favorite. <laughs> Yujiro with six points dominating this D block uh, against the two and two Takagi. And Yujiro uses a chair on the floor and then an inverted DDT. And Kelly notes that Yujiro wrestles at a very slow pl- pace. Was that an adjustment for you? Referring to uh, David Finley. I loved like the, the, the subtle shade here from Kevin Kelly of uh, the slower paced Yujiro and how it's uh, difficult for people to adapt to. And they brought up here that I don't know if this was legit, if this was kind of a storyline, but they stated that in Finley's first tournament match against Yujiro, he suffered a concussion and then just kept going in in the tournament. So this would have been on July 20th. And yeah, he just alluded to uh, Yujiro delivering, uh, I think they mentioned like an inverted DDT and it just rocked Finley because that was not brought up in his other matches like a story. Um, So I read this as like this guy got a concussion, which is a a bit concerning, Um, but you know, went through and did, did have like some great performances afterwards. Hopefully he is, uh, he is better now. He should not be working with a concussion. Uh, Takagi is setting up for the end here when show gets involved with the wrench 
And that's when we get the, the full Yujiro experience here. He uh, grabs Takagi from the floor, and then Yujiro hits the intercollegiate slam. Miami shine. Takagi kicks out. And then Sho hits him with a chair from the floor. That sets up Pimp Juice. Again, Takagi kicks out of that. Yujiro then... Uh, responds uh, by kicking out of Made in Japan and we get a fisherman buster on the floor delivered to Takagi and he stops Yujiro from getting in the ring. He hits his own DVD and then Sho has to help Yujiro get in right at the count of 19. So uh, we're getting down to the, the closing stretch of the match here. Takagi is shoved into the referee and there's a chair to the back. Takagi punches the chair into Yujiro and then nails Sho, pumping bomber and last of the dragon and Takagi prevails in 15 minutes and 25 seconds and then it's Takagi holding his head as he gets checked on the floor on the way to the back so hopefully he was not uh, damaged here like uh, David Finley but um, everyone sit back brace yourselves I thought this was Yujiro's best match of the G1 <laughs> oh oh wait are you feeling all right blink twice if you're okay <laughs> listen this was this was the best you're gonna get out of Yujiro this might be on the weaker side of the Shingo matches but um, um, this man was uh, he was a one man army here with uh, Yujiro but it was a more than passable match and 15 minutes 15 minutes of Yujiro it, it better be Shingo Takagi or Will Ospreay that's opposite him but um, I, I, I thought they, they they did enough here and that was with all the, the House of Torture bullshit on top of it yeah <sighs> what I wouldn't give to be the one at ringside just staring at show. And so he would stop doing what he's doing and know that he's better than this. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so exhausted watching show just fetter away all of his talent to be. Dick maybe Kondo we'll do best play. lackey of the G one uh, on our awards. And maybe show could be a finalist for that. Yeah. That's his I'm, role. Best lackey. I love him, but I don't like him very much right now. <laughs> He's also he's also up for best merch shill because he's always wearing evil and Yujiro shirts, very much like how uh, Ghetto Ghetto wears all of Jay's stuff. He's very unselfish. Yeah, I don't think he had a choice, honestly. But I I mean, I wish they could have shaved off about five minutes off of this match. It didn't need to be fifteen minutes long. Yeah, I I can certainly see that with all the. uh... The, the interference. I'm just, I'm numb to it at this point. I'm just like, I, I know what, what's coming. I, I still want, I, I want large with, with, with a milk in, in this. I'm not going to go uh, sugar and uh, uh, sleeve territory, but this, this was a very good match, I, I thought, overall. So um, you, you can't say I'm, uh, I'm biased against you, Jero, here. So. It was large, black, nothing in it. <laughs> Like my so heart just, right now. <laughs> empty. Just empty. Does the job, but it's not a fun one. No, so, uh, it's been on uh, the t- burner a little too long. So Takagi is obviously in a very important situation in the in the D block. We'll go over that later. He gets El Fantasmo on Tuesday. And folks, Yujiro's done for another year. Yoshihashi against Will Ospreay in the D block. Both have identical records of two and two. And there's a big discussion at the beginning with Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, and David Finley about using tape for your injuries and do Kevin Kelly was so probing here. He was like, do you get the final say about tape? Do the trainers insist on you using tape? David Finley was so just, this was complete improv because he's just trying to answer these. And I'm sure these questions are just coming out of nowhere for him. He's like, uh, I've got the final say. And he notes like the danger, like you need it for your injury, but it's uh, putting a target on on yourself yeah. by putting the tape on, which is funny because it always used to be the, the trick, uh, especially among fighters, is that if they had a bad knee. 
they put the brace on both le- on both knees so yeah. to confuse people um but yeah they had quite the discussion here they plugged Osprey's participation in the AEW Trios tournament teaming with Aussie Open and then Osprey goes after the injured shoulder of Yoshihashi so this kind of ties into the shoulder discussion earlier uh Kelly brings up that Will Osprey now has 20 five star matches after his latest one with Shingo Takagi uh with the Observer coming out th- this past week all the offense centers around the shoulder of Yoshihashi he drops him off the turnbuckle onto the shoulders, flying forearm to the shoulder. I mean, it was just total targeting of the of the shoulder. He blocks an os cutter, and Yoshihashi fights back with a dragon suplex. He's clutching the shoulder uh, amongst us comeback, and then a head kick drops Yoshihashi, and Osprey keeps his grip applied until Yoshihashi gets to his feet, and boom, he hits him with karma for a two count. And Kelly is. He is just throwing in the towel here for Yoshihashi. He says, I can't see this lasting another minute for, for Yoshihashi. He's holding on. Karma gets countered uh, with, the, with the stun dog and then this beautiful looking os cutter. I mean, Yoshihashi took this thing fantastic. It was like this guy had been shot and just fell to his doom. He ducks the hidden blade. There's another os cutter into a super kick in midair that Yoshihashi lands and then Yoshihashi with the destroyer uh, face buster counter by Osprey and we get the Kumaguro for the two count before Will hits the Chelsea grin and hidden blade to win this one in 18 minutes and 46 seconds. I, I thought this was great. This was my my favorite match of the night. I think yeah, I think most would uh w- w- would agree with you. It, it was outstanding. I I went XL on this one. They uh, I had high hopes for this one. It was met. Um, I mean Osprey. I I don't think he has had anything in the realm of just an average match in, in this block. I mean he has been. I think a lot of the attention has been spread elsewhere, but. His consistency has been maybe unparalleled uh, among among the performers uh, this year. Tremendous stuff. He holds up the U.S. belt for David Finley there ringside. And Finley says after the G1. And Will gets into his face. And David says he despises him. And he will beat him once again. Because he does hold a win over Osprey from earlier in the tournament. So Osprey will take on Juice on Tuesday. Yoshihashi will take on uh, David Finley on the show that we're going to get to uh, from today's card. But uh, yeah, I went XL on this one. Where, where, where did you go? XL with a shot of espresso. Whoa, with the espresso. Yes, largely because everyone underestimates Yoshihashi for most of the year until we get to the G1 and we or some big never championship. We get big match Yoshihashi and he he brought it and I was very proud of him. And I'm sure a lot of people picked Osprey to win this match, but I didn't. I believed. I believed in Yoshihashi. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to uh, all the people in the chat room because sometimes, uh, Karen, we're so popular now. We we get spam in this. Uh, I see. It, yeah. So I have just figured out how to block these people. Well so, done. Uh, I am. You I just come you at me. Love, I'm ready. John. I'm going to block you. Okay. <laughs> 69mega.com. Come at me. I'm going to fire off. It's going to be a block the party. Motion. Who get out of here. Stuff? Uh, Main event we go to the undefeated Jay White, who is back after missing two tag matches with uh, with uh, heat stroke, and he's taking on Taichi with a record of two and two. So Taichi is technically still alive because he has two matches, and in theory, Jay White could lose two matches, but. Um Jay's run in the hot hand here with the the undefeated streak in the B block. So Jay starts and he wants to do uh, a sumo standoff, but then drives Taichi into the corner and just starts stomping on him. Uh, Ghetto distracts, allowing White to choke with a bullet club towel. And when he's caught by red shoes, he just yells, it's just a fucking towel. As if like Taichi should be able to uh, withstand this uh, this choke. 
Taichi comes back with these brutal kicks to the chest, and then Taichi's momentum is stopped as Ghetto grabs Miho Abe by the hair on the floor, and Taichi just, like, gets this, like, non-emotional look on his face and just starts no-selling all of White's offense, the chops he's delivering, and calmly walks down Ghetto on the floor who starts begging off. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru then backs up uh, Taichi by getting up from the commentary area, and Ghetto's in the ring. White tries to sleeper suplex, and it's stopped as Taichi takes both men down and hits a last-ride powerbomb. White collapses, avoiding a a buzzsaw kick, and eventually hits the sleeper suplex. Taichi just pops right back up to his feet and hits the dangerous suplex, and multiple times, White's Blade Runner gets countered. Uh, Taichi gets a Ghetto clutch for a near fall, and then the Yokozuna elbow gets caught, but again he stops the Blade Runner, and Taichi hits numerous counters. White finally hits it off of the counter. Both men are down, and he goes for another Blade Runner, struggles to lift Taichi off the mat, and he needs help using the rope, takes Taichi over to the center, and he hits the match-ending Blade Runner to win this one in 23 minutes and 20 seconds, eliminating Taichi's hopes and continuing his undefeated streak as Jay improves to 5-0 and in the block. There, there, there are two people in the New Japan universe that you don't put your hands on. Abe Miho and Peter. You don't put your hands on them, especially if you, there's other members from that faction at ringside. So when, when as soon as Ghetto grabbed Miho's hair, I'm like, oh no, oh no, who's coming for who's coming for him this time? So yes, I was very happy to see Kanemaru just like he didn't even really like, put hands on me. He just walked over there and was like, you "Sure, you want to do this?" So yes, it was a very <laughs> stern warning from a uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and yes. uh, and Taichi getting very serious here. Um, I, I like the match. Um, it, it, it was fine. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna go uh, like above and beyond that. Like it, it was a nice match. It wasn't it wasn't the match of the show. Um, I would say, like, for, for Taichi as well, like, I think, you know, for these big matches, he really does get, get up for them. I, I wouldn't say this was either guy's uh, that best match of the mm, tournament. No. Um, I, I still went with, with, with a large, with, with a milk and sugar, but um, definitely below Osprey and Yoshihashi, which I, I thought was the clear-cut uh, match of the night here. But uh, continues the, the undefeated streak for Jay White, and we will uh, talk about uh, how that plays into the final round-robin match that he has with a Tamatonga coming up later this week. But what I did think was incredible was uh, the post-match here. So Kelly is explaining how the fans are leaving the building. They would rather walk out into a typhoon than hear Jay White gloat. And Jay White is demanding ice from the people at ringside, from the young boys. He says, don't you know I have heat stroke? But then tells the fans, you fools, I live in Florida. You think a little sun and heat was going to bother me? All of you were so gullible. I managed to get two days off from these meaningless tag matches in order to be rested up. And he makes fun of all the well wishes he received. He pretends to cry. The fans like clap here and Kelly informs us, don't clap. He's not being genuine. It was like they were not understanding the sarcasm here from Jay White. Uh, other than his, his clap post match promo, this was his best, uh, message this promo uh, of the tournament I-, I thought he was just hilarious here it was one of those things where it's it's hard when they don't have a translator at ringside so the fans are just happy that he's that he won the match and that or, you know his, his jay has a very loyal following in japan so he could be saying the most horrible things to them but they're as they're just like yeah yeah you're wonderful you're doing great <laughs> but yeah with, with the the typhoon is like I mean, for us, it's like hurricane season here in Florida, so it, it it only needs to get to a certain 
level before people really worry about it. It's just yeah. when they start threatening to shut the trains off that people have a problem with because then they get stuck wherever they're at. Right. But I, I, I admittedly, as soon as he won, I turned turned it off. <laughs> I, I I like Jay's promos, but sometimes he talks a little too long. He screams a little too much. And I'm just like, no, it's it's too, it's 830 in the morning. No. <laughs> Jay, Jay White is not for everybody, as I as I have uh, learned just from like like wide, wide varieties of what whether he's like a heel that is like a little too sticky versus one that's like effective and, get, and gets the emotions out of you that, that you want to be uh, getting like he's he's someone I, I enjoy qu- quite a lot. But I also understand like it's it's grading for for others as well and he's in a very obviously uh prominent spot and has been all over this tournament as like the dominant force of it um so he as we mentioned has tamatonga on tuesday and uh, tai chi uh well we'll be getting to his final match against the great okan but um this show i i, I would certainly recommend the osprey yoshihashi match where I don't know if i'd fully go on on shingo and yujiro to recommendation territory but um you could check that one out. I I do feel it was Yujiro's best match of the tournament, and that's kind of what I took from this particular day. Yeah, I would agree. In terms of the uh, the contest, um, you know what? I will I will do an update at the end of uh, day seventeen because uh, we'll we'll just do a full update on where everyone's uh, stands. But for uh, Saturday's show, there were several who got uh, perfect on the day, and that included actually quite a lot. Did I'm not? It, it's literally 194 people in our contest got five for five on Saturday's card, which may be a record. Um, well so done. tremendous job by our listeners who were very astute picking this all before the tournament began, so they didn't have the luxury of seeing where everybody would be uh, after 16 days. But um, yeah, 96% of people picked Osprey over Yoshihashi. 90% pin- picked Shingo over Yujiro, which I guess not not a crazy stretch you're going on. 89% picked White over Taichi. 86 picked Kento over Hanare. And 71% saw Jeff Cobb beating Toru Yano. So congratulations, all who got five out of five, including... Jordan Goodman, John Ceno, Bruce Lord, Davey Portman, and W.H. Park, who uh, just saw this coming from a mile away. You and I, Karen, both went three for five on Saturday's card. It's fine. I, I, I As I said, I'm determined to be dead last in the E-block now. I'm like, if I, well, if I, you know what? <laughs> There's somebody hot on your heels, and his name is John Pollock, because oh, I, may, I, I am... I am sl- <laughs> I don't even want to say slipping because I've never had a good burst of momentum during this entire G1 tournament. I have I have been the Aaron Hanare in my first G1 contest, and I have uh, I'll see if I have one little thing to uh, hold my hat on at the end. I'm not getting a Tanahashi victory. I'm turning into that like that Homer Simpson uh, meme where he's like patting the seat next to him on the sofa, being like, "Join us." <laughs> Join me, John. Join me at the one, bottom. One of us is ending up in the basement. That's going to be the drama of this uh, this e block it, as, it, as it wraps itself up. So we go to today's show from uh, from Nagano. This is a uh, oh a, at the White Ring, which is I believe the first time they've done a G one show proper um, at this venue. It was opened up in ninety eight when the Olympics uh, came to Nagano. So one thousand seven hundred and twenty eight fans in attendance, and the undercard featured Evil Yujiro Show and Dick Togo over Goto Yudo Nakashima, Ryohei Oiwa, and Kosei Fujita. Will Osprey and Aaron Hanare beating Bad Dude Tito and Jonah with Tito taking the fall. Juice Robinson, Bad Luck Ball 
Kamala, Chase Owens, and El Fantasmo over Shingo, Naito, Sonata, and Bushi, uh, with Bushi being hit with the C-Trigger, and Okada, Ishii, and Toriyano beating Lance Archer, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taka Michinoku with uh, Taka taking the fall, uh, courtesy of Yano. So there you have it. Oh, and Tamatonga and Jado beating Jay White and Ghetto. So we got we got to see Ghetto and Jado go at it on the undercard. I'm still convinced that this this G1 is still about the breakup of Ghetto and Jado and not actually all the Bullet Club Civil War stuff. We've got th- we've got three more nights uh, at Budokan. <laughs> Pl- plenty of time, plenty of time to shoot some big angle. Uh, so this one had Kevin Kelly and Jonah on commentary. I thought Jonah was great. I, I, I will, I've loved the variety of wrestlers that have joined Kevin at commentary whenever he's outside of town. It's refreshing because I always enjoy wrestlers talking wrestling. And it also because a lot of them do it out of character. Minus ELP wearing a Hawaiian shirt and eating pizza. I mean, like it just it makes them more human and more accessible and like endears them even further to people who may not necessarily follow New Japan Strong very closely. Yeah. Um, if, if you do go back, like I thought, I, I thought just getting some of my thoughts out, like I thought this was like a, like a sneaky under the radar, um, G1 card. Like it's not going to be everyone's favorite. Like for me, that first night in, in Osaka last weekend was probably a card of the tournament, unless one of yeah. these final three nights tops it. But, um, th- th- this had some interesting stuff on the show and it all kind of has stakes uh, attached to it as we get towards the end here. But starting things off, it's Yoshihashi and David Finley in the D block and it's the battle of the busted up shoulders of these two whose arm was going to stay attached throughout this match and Finley goes after the weakened shoulder of Yoshihashi repeated stomps in the corner and Yoshihashi stops him with a blockbuster and then Finley with the Uranagi backbreakers he's elbowing the shoulder they trade lariats Yoshihashi goes down and then Finley goes for the acid drop and Yoshihashi just blocks it with this cradle and boom, he just catches him out of nowhere in 11 minutes and 14 seconds, a jarring finish. And uh, Jonah is just playing a dick during this match on commentary. He's insulting David Finley. He's insulting his dad. And at the end, Kelly denies to David Finley, I wasn't trying to jinx you. So Jonah proudly says, I jinxed you. I prayed for it in the back that you would lose this. And you really didn't get the vibe that this guy was trying to be a heel. But for David Finley, he absolutely was. Um, yeah. It was we got to quite the range of uh, Jonah on commentary. I, I I enjoyed it just because it's, you know, Jonah, he kind of played back and forth of like storylines that are actually have happened or are happening in New Japan Strong versus actually just caring about the wrestling. And I'll go more into how he his appreciation for Kenta comes into play and his time in, in Noah comes into play much later. Right. But I really enjoyed this match. It actually it had a, because of the flash pin, it felt I, I need more flash pins in this tournament. I don't. They're really I don't good to, to sprinkle in there because you, you just you you bite on so much more when you see that that a fall can end out of nowhere. It's the same yeah. reason I like when they do like Zach and Evil, like just forty four seconds. It just it tells people <laughs> I, that. Oh my gosh, I loved that one. I know a lot of people were mad about it, especially like the one the fan the the Evil and Zach Saber fans that were at the venue were so upset about it. But I'm like, no, I enjoyed I need, that a lot. I, I need more of this, especially yeah. because. You know, I liked that they, he actually got convinced one of the young lions to go in on it with him. So if I if I'm somebody that's like looking at Zach's lineup in in the block and all his singles matches, I don't know if I'm circling evil. It's like okay, there's the night I've got. I to mean, be there. 
it, it, we did have big match huge versus ta- uh, Takagi last night. So that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, th- th- I'm sure. I'm sure that made everyone happier after losing out on the Zach Evil match. You got Yujiro in in a classic. So uh, yeah, I, I thought this was like a strong start to the the night of uh, tournament matches. I, I went large with a milk and sugar. Um, I. I I've been a broken record. I've been very impressed with David Finley in this tournament overall. I think that he has just um, really advanced his his standing significantly. Doesn't need to win this block. He has, to me, gotten plenty. Uh, with the wins over Shingo and Will, there's like endless uh, directions for him after this tournament. And I think just his overall presence, um, his confidence, it's... It, been impossible not to detect that in this tournament so just from watching him like literally from his first match in new japan to where he is now like this to me was the biggest breakout um over these last five weeks for him i i think that's i think that's the one that has me very hesitant about how the blocks may play out in the next couple of days because yoshihashi and finley have had such a bizarrely strong yes. g1 Based not necessarily every single match, but it, their matches have been consistently good. Yeah. But they've also been the ones in the block racking up wins against people that they're like, "There's no way they're beating Shingo. There's no way they're beating Osprey." But like each of them hold credible wins in this tournament, so it's one of those things where I'm just like, I I wanted both. I, I as much as I wanted, you know, I my pick is Shingo anyway. But as, but but now I'm just like, I really really want Finlay to win. I really want Yoshihashi to win. So. I gave them a large of some whipped cream caramel and sprinkles because they're the best boys. They're the best boys in the D block. And we and we have more coffee to disperse with only uh, four matches on on this show. Uh, the B block match that followed was a Taichi at two and three against Great Okan, who is one and four with uh, two points. So both guys are out of it. They're just fighting for points at this point. Okan is just going to his back and trying to invite Taichi into his guard and Taichi is setting up with the sumo stance neither is engaging and they get stood up by the referee I thought we were going to get a yellow card issued and uh, their pay would be affected but the Yokozuna elbow is then met with a judo throw by Okan who goes to the sheep killer and Taichi stops the eliminator but he has the grip applied as Taichi is trying for black Mephisto and goes for a ghetto clutch for a two count and then Taichi shoots in for a single leg and it's and it's blocked and uh, Okan just hits a fisherman suplex again out of nowhere catching Taichi in only seven minutes and eight seconds so both are going to end with a uh, two and four records this was a really weird match it was also a very different match and in the G1 where we're watching all of these I love different so yeah. this one was like it, it was a weird but I, I enjoyed it for the seven minutes that, that it lasted not not at the level of the match we just talked about but um this was more up my alley that i liked that they had like these different styles and it was kind of like it was each of their kind of foundations um colliding i i think it was just so refreshing that it wasn't the same old shtick from either of them totally they're they're both leaning into what they what they hold important to themselves as wrestlers you know okan with more of the MMA and like heavy like like technical wrestling background and Tai Chi, even though he jokes around about all the sumo stuff, he's a huge sumo fan. He's like incorporated that 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 I, it's a sport. I don't want to say martial art, but that sport into mm-hmm. his craft. But again, I know that 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 this match wouldn't necessarily be one for everyone, but personally, I enjoyed it. And yeah, it was short. It was short. It was seven minutes. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not like uh, breaking the ranking system on this. I, I but I, I went like. 
medium milk sugar sleeve, just just below like a large. But I I enjoyed this. I just I, I like the the variation to it. And much like we just talked about with the last match, like a finish out of nowhere with, with the Fisherman Buster, and just it, it it showed me like they just approached this with like a, a different kind of mindset to kind of separate themselves and not just be uh, so many matches in this tournament just fade into the background and it's just a blur of matches. They tried to do something a little bit uh, different here. And in between matches, they're talking about Jonah wrestling at Nippon Budokan this week for the first time ever. And he brought up that he was there ringside uh, when he was doing Noah dates uh, for Kenta Kobashi's retirement show in 2013. So he will get his first match in the arena this Tuesday against Bad luck folly. So it's not all great news, but uh, nonetheless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. I listen. I was I was very kind to you, Jero. Um, folly, prove me wrong on Tuesday. I, I will be more no, than no, more than I, fair. That, that's more for oh Jonah, bless Jonah. Yeah, that's going to be a rough match, but we we will see what they what they have cooked up for for Tuesday. But a, a cool story there, just with the the backdrop there of uh, his his history being in that building. Jeff Cobb against Tom Lawler in the A block. So Jeff Cobb, as I mentioned, he's technically alive, but this is absolute must win for him. Tom Lawler is out after the Okada loss. So he is uh, down at a uh, two and three in this, uh, in this block. So Kelly at the beginning, he goes through this whole history lesson of judo Jean LaBelle and they talk Jonah like links it up with like the, the, the LaBelle grip using like the three fingers. And Kelly explains how Carl got, learned under Gene LaBelle and then when the New Japan Dojo launched that's what Carl Gotch taught to all of the students there the LaBelle grip so it's kind of linking Gene LaBelle to kind of the lineage of, of New Japan homegrown uh, performers so we get into the match it's a grappling sequence at the beginning and Jonah's bringing up Cobb's previous win against Lawler back at Bloodsport and says that Tom Lawler is the only human in the monster block uh, specifically noting Okada is super human the rest are the monsters and lawler is the the mere mortal cobb then leaps into the corner right into a, a rear naked choke from tom who's on the back and they tumble to the floor and we get anoki style kicks from lawler off the, off the ground and then an elevator sweep into an armbar setup he rolls to the ankle lock and cobb breaks it with hammer fists and then just deadlifts lawler off the mat into this overhead belly to belly this dude is so goddamn strong jeff cobb yes. it's um i think we take it for granted when we just see all of these guys doing these uh these impressive feats of strength uh lawler hits a divorce court off the top and transitions to an oma plata but then loses the the ankle lock and then hits a big muso hammer lock forearms by lawler he is super kicked by lawler and that staggers and drops cobb with a forearm and then lawler is just exhausted so he collapses Collapses as well. Cobb is able to hit these rolling Germans while Lawler is holding onto the arm the entire way and then goes for a last ditch Kimura. He gets free, drills him with kicks and the Kamagoye only generating a two count and it's Cobb who avoids the nasty knee on the brain, hits a version of a regal plex, and then Tom Lawler hits the NKOTB and he wins in 14 minutes and three seconds. This match was awesome. I I really really loved this match. I loved this match, and I don't and I don't know if it's because uh, because of my affinity for both Tom Lawler and Jeff Cobb, but it was it was a match that I think a lot of people may not necessarily thought that it would be one of the standout matches. But <laughs> I went to block. I screwed up, and I gave him just a window. I, no, we're not going to make any mention of that to, for the audio people out there. Okay. 
Um, but I personally enjoyed it, but I think it was also because of how emotionally invested I have been through Tom Lawler's backstage promos. Like, like last time we talked, you asked me if I had watched his promos, and I'm like, I no, I don't know if I was in the right headspace. I watched a couple right before we went on air, and okay. I was sobbing. And I'm just like, and that's why, like, I have this lovely, like, rosy glow. It's because I was like all patchy and gross and like ugly crying because I want more than anything to give Tom Lawler the whole world at this point. And like with, with, between him and the way that Jeff had Jeff's tournament last year, it's like, I want both of these guys to succeed so incredibly much that I was just like, could this be the, like uh, the only draw of the tournament please? Because I, I don't want to see either of them lose, but if at this point it was just, they're just fighting for points and trying to help thin out the herd at the top for Okada to advance. Eventually I, I understand why Cobb had to lose. Yeah, I, I thought like lol, to me, like the grappling, the submission sequences, just the, the back and forth here. These were two opponents that I mean, here you have like a, a legit uh, Olympic level wrestler and Jeff Cobb with someone of Tom Lawler's background. It just seemed like they're great styles. They have worked together before in blood sport. Um, so, so, I mean, this had all the makings for it. It exceeded it and then some. I just thought, like, the, the submission and grappling, th- this was, like, top level for me. I, I just Absolutely. thought this was a real standout match. Like, I thought I thought Lawler's match with Okada was very good. I, I feel this was, this was Lawler's um, best match of the tournament. It was definitely my favorite of the six matches uh, that, that he had in the G1. So, ending it off really strong and, and getting uh, – Finishing with six points. So, you know, he finishes at 500 and equals uh, Jeff Cobb uh, in both of their last matches. Um, so I, I went XL with, with, a, with a milk and sugar on this one. I, too, went XL with a, some whipped cream and sprinkles. And that takes us to the main event. It is the rematch from Wrestle Kingdom this past year where Kenta nearly killed himself, taking on uh. Hiroshi Tanahashi. So Tanahashi is at three and two, Kenta two and three. And, um, uh, this is both of their uh, final matches in the C block. So they did give an update here about uh, Hiroki Goto, who last we saw in the main event with Tanahashi, his mouth was all bloody. And on the broadcast, they were worrying about it being a jaw issue. It turned out it was just his lip that generated all that blood and required stitches. So Goto, uh, a lot better than a broken jaw if you just got yeah. stitches on, on, the, on the lip. So they're noting uh, that TV Asahi recently listed its 15 most popular wrestlers, and the top three were Okada, Tanahashi, and Naito. So there I, – I, I guess he didn't read all top 15, so I don't know where Yujiro finished. Uh, I believe he was not in the top 15, but yes. it, was a, it was a fan vote across the country. So it had a whole – they actually – I think it went up to like 50 different people because they included lots of stardom wrestlers and stuff like that. But of course, yeah, your top three were Naito, Tana, or Okada, Tanahashi, Naito. Yeah, and like very notable. Like these have been the, you know, the flag bearers of the company for the last 10 years and to, to the public. Clearly, they see them as you know the pillars of this company. Jonah is sick of all the two sweets from the Bullet Club. He's going to ask his buddies Hunter and Sean to clamp down on that stuff of people using it outside. So Tanahashi kicks Kenta into the rail from the apron. And uh, Kenta takes him ringside and DDTs him onto the padding on the floor. And big kicking attack here from Kenta. Finally gets stopped with a dragon screw. And then Kenta's delivering closed fists. And Kevin Kelly explains to Jonah... To get disqualified around here, you literally need to hit someone with a chair in the ring right in front of the ref. That's about it. And Jonah realizes, you know what? I'm going to start adding closed fists then with all this leeway. I don't have to be worrying about a disqualification. Smart man. You're a little late in the tournament to figure this out. Tanahashi then misses a slap. 
and destroys Red Shoes, who takes the slap from hell. This this was up there with uh, the. This was definitely the best ref bump of the tournament, and there's probably about 250 candidates for ref bumps in this. Team. Yes, but I I, I think in, in all fairness, when Tanahashi hit him, I was like. Like, I felt that. I felt like he slapped someone's grandma. And then, like, Red Shoes just followed through and just, like, almost fell out of the ring with with the momentum. It was probably, it was, it was hands down, the best ref bump of of the entire month that we've been watching this. This was one where this slap legitimately justified Red Shoes being down for as long as he was. Like, dude, Tanahashi ice didn't. on his face. <laughs> dude, they, they were icing the jaw. Yeah. And, dude, Tanahashi did not take that. Dude, this was, uh, this was Stephanie McMahon times 10. It was, j- j- he rocked him with this slap. Um, so quite the, quite the visual. And Kenta then goes underneath the ring and pulls out the crutch. A metaphor if there ever was one for these Bullet Club matches and sets up (laughs) the dreaded Japanese table on the floor. And it was interesting because, dude, this crowd, you could have heard a pin drop and the commentators are noting it that they're they're just in awe here. They can't believe what they're seeing. But it was so quiet. It was there was no sound in any of this. It was like silent library or something. So. Kenta teases the double foot stomp to the floor, but Tanahashi meets him on the turnbuckle. There's headbutts by Kenta. That leads to a green killer. This is where Red Shoes is icing his jaw as he's trying to recover. Man did finish the match. And Kenta hits the double stomp, only gets a two count. And then he takes the table from the floor, and he just uses the table as a weapon to throw at Tanahashi. And he then drapes him. uh, He's hanging onto the middle rope when this table just blasts him in the head. Yeah. Uh, he tried for several uh, attempts at the GTS, but Tanahashi stopped him, hit the sling blade, hit aces high, but then the high fly flow lands on Kenta's knees, Bosaiku knee, and then goes to the GTS. Tanahashi battles uh, a counter here with an inside cradle, and then Kenta with the crazy slaps, a knee to the face, and he hits the GTS, pinning Tanahashi, gaining his revenge in 23 minutes and 47 seconds, not only getting the win and moving up to 500, but Tanahashi is now mathematically eliminated from the C block as a result of this loss as Kenta sits over top of him and the announcers tell us that it is not over between these two. It was one of those things where when that table came out, I feel like the audience was in awe, but they were also mortified because they remember one, because of course commentary talked about the scars that were on Kenta's back from the table from Wrestle Kingdom, but also they all know that those tables when I was in Japan, those were the bane of my existence. So I would clip my leg on them in the staff room all the time. So I know that those are like not, they don't, they're not very flexible. They don't much give. But when they did that, when he threw it at Tanahashi and Tanahashi didn't even bother to cover his head. Oh, yeah. oh I was like, no, 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 no. You, you can do the chairs. So they all, you know, the, the cushions are kind of like, like they're, they're, they're rigged. So the, the cushion will pop out. But that table had, has zero give. Like, the amount of Fs it would give. Zero. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no, we're not doing this again. We're not going here again, are we? No, please don't. <laughs> please don't. The heads to the table, I, it, uh, like the El Fantasmo juice match, that's the one where Fantasmo takes his head and he just bashes it over and over until there's a hole in the table. I was like, man, this head stuff is just uh, not for me at, at, no. at all. No, no. But but I, I thought this was like it, it was a compelling main event. Um, yes, I, I I had Cobb and, and Lawler as, as my match of the show, but I, I thought this was like a strong main event. And it, it hit me when they did reference like the scar. It's like 
they have done such a great job of reminding everyone, like every Kenta match, they bring up that match with Tanahashi. So by the time this, this match took place tonight, like it felt like this has been built up for a long time since January. Granted, Kenta has been out most of that time, but they've constantly kept that in your memory that, you know, this is Kenta's big match of the whole G1 was getting into the ring with Tanahashi. So it meant a lot when he won won the match and I'm sure they're going to do this one again, maybe in October or something. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that even after that match, when they had it in January and, you know, Tanahashi's backstage crying saying that this is, isn't the match the kind of wrestling I want? This isn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to hurt him the way he got hurt. And then Kenta basically just tweeted and being like, "But we we went out there and we did it. We did the best thing." So it's it's one of those things where it's like, even though when they're in the ring together and they're you know they're they're being you know the white hat black hat, there's they are both of an age because they're both over forty at this point. They're both doing the most they can and to give the audience a good story and their story has started well before this Wrestle Kingdom with, you know, the briefcase when when Kenta had the contract briefcase from New Japan Strong. So it's been like this like continuous story pretty much ever since he turned on Shibata to join yes. Bullet Club. So it's 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 one of the longer told stories that, you know, gets brought up every six months between them, but it's consistently a good story. Like it it always doesn't necessarily feel like not fresh. But when it comes back, you're like, oh, yeah, we're still doing this. This is still going on. And I personally, as a fan of both Tanahashi and Kenta, I was like, oh, this match is just for me. But I I thought I thought like the the storytelling in this match were really strong. Like I like I I was pretty captivated by it. I I went large milk sugar sleeve just below XL territory. But I I thought they they had like a really strong match. This would be I I think with with Kenta, this one and the Zach matches were the ones that really stood out for me. Tanahashi has had a low key like fantastic tournament like yes. when you look at the six matches it's kind of tough as we now go back and look because you had these big gaps between matches that sometimes you you forget to like string along some of yeah. the the matches these these guys have had but this was this was a strong end to the tournament for for both guys the only thing i'm hoping for is that we don't get that like new japan notice like like in the next day or so saying that red shoes has been taken off the next couple of cards because his little jaws and busted open because like like as soon as he got hit, it made me think of what happened to Goto a couple of days ago. Yeah. So I'm just hoping everyone's okay. But I also rated this fairly high. I gave it an a, a, an extra large just because I'm a big softy and I have a, I have a, I have gold stars for everyone today. Well, there you have it, everybody. That was day number 17. And uh, we'll go over the the contest uh, updates. And then we're going to dive into all of the scenarios going into the final round robin matches. We'll get some predictions from Karen. But for our listener contest, Steve S. stands atop the mountain going into the final three nights. Well, really, this will wrap up um, on Tuesday. Uh, But Steve S. is on top with 53 points. But it is close, folks. Darren B. and Jordan Show with 52 points. And John Mack and Miss Aussie with 51 points. So I would say those five, it's winnable for any of them. One day after 194 of you went five for five, 13 people went five for five on Sunday. Oh, wow. With uh, Stephen Liu, Shruby, Party Marty, Mark B, Mark Butler, Louis from Montreal, John K, Jay from Colorado, James TD, James Wims, Doug Greenwood, Adam Joyce, and Brandon from New Jersey. Five for five. <laughs> I love how your 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 voice just dropped the very like and Brandon from New Jersey. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, the only guy who would uh, who would go out of his way to uh, to to tweet his uh, his accomplishment uh, ahead of time. But uh, there you go. Congratulations, Brandon and company, for going five for five. In the prestigious E block, Jordan Goodman, despite a very rough day, uh, going one for five. 
He's just about clinched it. He's got 50 points. He is in good standing. He will well likely uh, take this one. Eric Marcotte, uh, a valiant effort, 46 points in second place. Randobot, uh, also not doing great today. One for five. He's in third with 45 points. Then we got Bruce Lord and Davey Portman tied with 44. Oh, John Cena is also tied with them with 44. Then Brad the Archivist, 42. Neil Flanagan, 41 points. WH has come out of the basement. He is now at 37 points. Myself and Way are near the bottom, tied with 36, and there is Karen Peterson with 34 points. So you, me, and Way, uh, I, I think I think WH is is slowly distancing himself uh, out out of the, the the bottom pack, but he's still somewhat linked to us. So I feel like somebody just like kicked Way off of the top of the mountain. Way <laughs> Way went 0 for five. For a while wasn't he? <laughs> he had a bad day. He uh, he went 0 for five on Sunday, so that Aww. that brought him down to our level. So welcome, Way. Welcome. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, it was very close. 52% picked Kenta to beat Tanahashi. So that was a close one. 51% picked Great Okan to beat Taichi. 38% of you had Yoshihashi beating Dave Finley. And only 36% of you saw Tom Lawler beating Jeff Cobb. So that looked to be uh, a much a much tougher uh, prediction for, for folks out there. So on Tuesday... Uh, it will be the final round robin matches at uh, Budokan Hall. So what we have uh, point-wise, looking at the A block, it is uh, the ones who are still alive are Kazuchika Okada, Lance Archer, and Jonah. So Okada has eight points, Archer has six, and Jonah has six. So the match that's taking place is Okada versus Archer, and then Jonah is taking on Bad Luck Fale. So if Okada beats Archer or draws... He wins. If okay. Archer beats Okada, then he wins the block, and he also has a tiebreaker against Jonah. Okay. In in order for Jonah to win, um, both Archer and Jonah would have to win because then Jonah has the tiebreaker against Archer. So okay. that those are our scenarios. So winnable for any of these three. I would be stunned if it, if it is not Okada coming out of the block. Do you see? Do you see any chance of a uh, of an upset victory by Archer or Jonah? If it were to be Archer or Jonah, that would own, I would I would be more likely to fe- uh, understand it if Jay advances out of B block because they're not going to have Jay lose and before going to the finals. But I still think it's going to be Okada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I feel I feel Okada win- wins this one, and that that will be yeah uh, Archer's uh, downfall at the end. Uh, B block is the simplest. It's Jay White against Tamatonga, and the winner advances. You know, for like a week or so out, I assume that White would have a loss to give. But the way this ends up is he does not have a loss to give. And I, I feel he's just going to sweep the, the block here and finish 6-0 and and advance. It's it's difficult because I feel like they need to start setting up challengers for Jay leading towards Wrestle Kingdom. And y- usually the champion at this point has dropped at least a loss if, unless it was, I think, Okado and Jeff were on the last night last year. Yes. But but at, but at that point, Tama had already beaten Okada. Tama, Tama beat... It was Cobb that beat... Where, where are we going here? So Tama got the win against Okada, and then Cobb had... Was Cobb, where, where was where was Cobb's win? Cobb lost to Okada last year. That's right. That's right. Uh, and oh, but Okada wasn't champion last year. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. It's we, <laughs> Again, we can't do complicated G one math outside of the the own year. There's only so much uh, so capacity. Shot. But I mean, I would like I would like Tama to advance, if only to set up a match against Jay. So Jay has a challenger 
coming out of this tournament. Well, that's what I I thought was conventional thinking was someone beats him to set up, uh, you know, King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle. I'm that's kind of my thinking now is that Okada beats Jay, although that feels like way too big of a match to go to in October or November. Yeah, but and we, I, I kind of had it earlier here too, so it's like I don't want like, Jay and Okada is another one I don't want to see too much of too close. Yeah, um, I, I'd be surprised though if it's not Okada and Jay White, but um. I don't know. We'll we'll see if uh, Tamatonga maybe has the big upset here, or if someone else squeezes out of the the A block. But I'm I'm still leaning towards Okada and, and Jay White. Yeah. Now the the C block, it is down to Zach, Naito, and Goto. So Zach has eight. Goto and Naito have six points, and they are all technically still alive. So Zach is taking on Naito. Huge match in the tournament. That was the 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 one and only match for Naito last year when he got hurt and was removed. Uh, so if Zach wins or draws, he wins. If Naito beats Zach, then uh, Goto also has to lose because Goto has the tiebreaker by beating Naito earlier. Um, if Naito and Goto both win, uh, it would be a three-way tie. Um, Zach has the tiebreaker over Goto, and Goto, as I said, has the tiebreaker over Naito. I do feel one of the blocks, it's just they've they've played up the playoff uh, yeah. match so much that this is the block I could see it happening. Because that second night at Budokan, I think you want to fill it out a bit more beyond the two semifinal matches that yeah. this is the one I could see of Naito having to win earlier in the night and then face your D-block winner that same night, and you're telling yeah. the story of Naito having to wrestle two matches on Wednesday and come back for the finals uh, potentially on on Thursday. So uh, that's kind of my pick of like of the three blocks, which one has the, the playoff round. I guess there's an outside chance you could do that with the A-block, but the C, it, it does seem possible they could do that playoff round. My thing is that commentary has been talking more about the multi-person runoff for D-block. Yeah, which just sounds like a nightmare to try and figure out if but I just part of me still wants Naito to be the one to advance out of C just because I'm hoping we get Naito Shingo finally. I feel that is the match we're going to get at the end of all this. How they get there will will be interesting. Um but yeah, so if Naito and Goto win, that that would create our our three-way tie. Goto is taking on Evil on on Tuesday as well. So um, oh, Evil could also pick up two points and just eliminate Goto's hopes there and then it would be uh Zack and Naito to determine the block. D block. So there is a chance where everyone could finish with the same amount of points. Um, but the, it's two matches. It's Takagi against Phantasmo and Osprey against Juice Robinson. So if both win, Takagi is advancing because he has the tiebreaker over Osprey. If, uh, so, so yeah, if both of them win, Takagi wins. If both lose, everyone in the block is tied. And I don't know what you do with seven people to figure that out. They, they've they played it up a lot, so I can't say there's no chance of that happening. It just yeah. seems so complicated. But you also have a whole Budokan show to book the next day, so um, y- you can't dismiss it outright. Um, if Osprey wins or draws and Takagi loses, then Osprey advances. So those are... I feel ultimately this comes down to Takagi and Osprey, and it's whoever you think is going ahead. At the beginning of the tournament, I picked Takagi to, to win the block. I think you did the same because yes. of the, the Naito uh, factor the Ni- in, in the, the C block. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sticking to that prediction that uh, however this ends, Takagi uh, wins wins the block. And also, Osprey has the whole situation with Finlay and Juice over the U.S. Championship. So I feel like I feel like. Osprey already has, plus he has the AEW thing next week, but I feel like he already has something teed up for the finals day where he could ha- theoretically have a title defense on that last day. 
Yeah, I feel Naito and Osprey is is a match that I just wouldn't want to do on a day's notice. I think that's that could be a really big match next they year. They need time to heal up. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think th- this is your one chance to do Naito Takagi with a, yeah. a reason for the LIJ members to face one another um, that, you know, we know it was going to happen last year in the yeah. in the round robin and it was it's taken away. It's organic this way. So, yeah. So that that's that's where I kind of see things going. Um, I'll, I'll put you on, on the hot seat. Who is going to be our G1 winner? Is it Naito? Is it yeah. Tamatonga? Is it uh, is it is it El Fantasmo who's going to surprise everyone after the seven way tie? I mean, Yujiro's not going to come in and win the whole thing now. No, no, he's <laughs> he's he's gone. I I I am firmly in the Naito camp. All right, well there you go, uh, Naito to win according to one Karen Peterson. So he's dead last, by the way. Hey, <laughs> so don't no. don't take anything I say with your, your word a is gospel, Karen. Salt. <laughs> so just looking once again for for Tuesday show it's eight round robin matches and Mike Murray will be with me on Tuesday to go through that card Okada against Lance Archer Jonah against Bad Luck Fale Ishii against Sonata Tamatonga against Jay White Goto against Evil Naito versus Zack Shingo against Phantasmo and Osprey against Juice Robinson this looks like an awesome card on Tuesday as much as we look at all the different like there's a ton of stakes in, involved which are only going to enhance the matches but this is a pretty solid eight match card that they have uh, set up for Tuesday. I, I feel I feel like the weekends have they were a little stingy this G1 on the great matches on the weekends because <laughs> I keep seeing all these cards for the weekdays that everyone else gets to review and I'm like wait that card's so much better than what I get. So I, 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 I know it's the that last stretch and they're going to try to sell out the Budokan three days in a row, which is why they stack it that hard. But man, it's one of those things where just like some of those matches, I understand why they're placed there. Cause those are the, this could be the, the, the ones that make or break the tournament for people. But I just feel bad for everyone else who's already out at this point that are just like showing up to play spoiler. Yeah, and there'll probably be uh, a lot of that on on Tuesday's card as well as uh, as hopes are dashed. So there you go. That is, you're all up to date now on the latest on the G1. So again, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday we will have shows for post wrestling cafe members. Mike Murray with me Tuesday, and then Bruce Lord on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Bruce and Mark Buckledy have been doing a fantastic job with uh, written reports on all of the shows. And catch this weekend's Dream Slam Weekly from Karen Peterson. She has you all covered of all things. Uh, Joshi in Japan and uh, going through the five-star Grand Prix and every other promotion under the sun. She's got you covered. Uh, anything else you want to uh, throw out there that you're working on? Right now? Nope. All is go. good. <laughs> simple. Simple. Doesn't have to promote. Uh, we are back on Monday night, folks. Uh, so we've got the Brian Gewertz interview dropping at 11 a.m. And uh, cafe members might get that a few hours early when you wake up. And then Monday night, Nate Milton is with me on Rewind to Raw. So, Karen, thank you as always for joining me. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us live, uh, except for the bots uh, that I, I tried my best. Uh, I, I had one uh, public fail in there as I tried my best. Tried my best, folks. Doing, I'm doing... I'm holding many uh, tasks here all, all at once. Uh, thank you, Brian, for the kind words. Eric, Paul, all of you in the uh, in the Thanks, chat room. Guys. MJ, uh, we will be chatting with you many times this week. Uh, and this is the last G1 show with Karen. So, Karen, I just wanted to thank you uh, for hopping on with me. It's always great to uh, chat with you. And, uh, you know, I, I was really happy with all of our G1 coverage uh, this year, and you were a big part of it. Thank you so much. I had a great time participating. And, again, if you need me next year, you know where to find me. 
already recruited, okay? Unlike uh, Hanare having to wonder if he gets the invite back or not, you the the letter is in the mail. You are you are even if I'm hired. dead last in the E block, I'm like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's the long term build. You just watch next <laughs> next year. Karen's coming back with a vengeance. She's gonna no, Jay I'm White not. this thing. She's going undefeated. I'm Perfect be just happy to be here, Karen. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is going to wrap it up. Thanks for joining us, and we will speak with you on Monday.